Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Chronicles 22. 1 Chronicles, Old Testament, chapter 22. You know, I find, I find as a church, we have come to a crossroads in, a ch- in our church as a Dream Center. We've come to a very significant crossroads. You may not think that or perceive it. It's my job to try and help you come to that place where you can see what I'm feeling. Okay? Now, in order for me to do that, you have to keep saying things in different ways. Does everybody understand? So that in the hope that what one group doesn't get one day, they get it the next day. And also... As the, the person who's trying to bring everybody else across, they also keep saying things so they see and understand things clearer. clearer. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. As you hear what you're saying, you understand. Sometimes when I'm speaking, well, not sometimes, a lot of times when I'm speaking, God is speaking through me. And I have to hear what God's saying. Because I can't think of everything I'm going to say. It comes. So as it comes, I go, whoa, that's, that's for me. Does that make sense? Because that's what makes speaking inspirational. If you haven't got the breath of God in what you're saying, then everything can be articulated, remembered and rehearsed. But that's not the way we, we, we work. We, we, we prepare, but then we speak. And as we speak, God puts life into it. So sometimes as God speaks, we have to hear what God is speaking, even as a speaker. Yes, because God is speaking and I also need to be ministered to with you. Yes, does that make sense? So think of it like this. You're on the beach and you have a kite and there's no wind. But you don't know there's no wind until you start running. And you run and the more you run, you try to hopefully get some wind in your kite so it can be lifted. But there's no wind. So you run more and more and more. But the more you run, the quicker you get tired. Anybody ever felt like that in life? Can't get any wind in what you're doing can't get any lift so you run and you work harder and harder and harder till eventually you've run out all run out of steam you never could get what was in your heart off the ground and you feel deflated well there's some reasons for that very often when you the lesson of the kite is this let give it some room let go give in so the kite can make the journey yes the more you extend of your uh, rope, string, line, whatever you want to call it, the more you extend that, there's a better chance of catching the thermals. True? So what, very, what, what op, uh, tends to happen in church is that you're trying to run as a leader and you're trying to pull the kite, which is the church, and you're trying to get the wind into it, and God says, no, 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 no. You, even yourself as a man of God, must give me more. So as you give me more of yourself... And give me more room to work with in your life. You'll find you don't have to run. You can walk and the wind will pick it up. But very often Christians are the only people in the world that like to keep things tight, close to the chest. They don't give God any room to move. They don't give God any room for his breath to to, to take their life and take it up to another level. They give him nothing through the week. They come to church on a Sunday, even then they barely give him anything. And God says, look, 
If you and I are going to ascend to the new heights, you've got to give me something to work with. Yeah? So you have to give me, unwind, unwind. Even, is it the fly fishers? Even the fly fishers do that. So they can cast the, the rod further. Yes? So that the fish can bite and they can go into deeper waters. Whether it's the illustration of waters or it's the illustration of the air. Either way, God is asking us, let off more. Give me more to work with. So as I begin to walk in this, this whole dimension of what we're calling Zion, we've got to keep giving him more so you can come in, under and in a greater understanding. But if you sit there each week saying, I don't understand it, don't want to understand it, it's talking rubbish, and you give God nothing, then you can never ascend. It's true. So while for you, the wind, the current will never take hold of your life and take you to the new place. It'll never take you. You'll never rise above anything you're doing. You'll work hard. You'll work even harder. And then you'll work even harder and harder. Nothing will get off the ground. You'll feel frustrated. Everyone else is rising above you. And you say, oh, that church is elitist. And then you'll make reasons as to why you shouldn't come. There's, there's one group over here ascending. And there's another group over here descending. And the only difference is, is that they gave God more. So God could pull. And then what happens is when your life's in there, then, then it's what happens is what happens in, in Christianity. You give out, give God more, and then you pull him closer. And you come closer and closer to God. And then just as you get that close, right? Then he says, give me more. And it's like God kind of gets more distance. And then through your walking with God again, and you're praying and, you, and, and your intimacy with God, you come closer to him again. And then you go to another level, you let some out. And then when you let him out, it's very easy to say, God, where are you? Where are you, God? I can't find you. God says, pull in me, pull on that string, come on. But some of you have got no string to pull on because you've given nothing. So you've got to let go, give in, so your life can make a journey. Now that journey, which God is trying to take us on, is the journey of Sinai, Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. Two mountains in the Bible. Two mountains where God once tried to meet Israel on one mountain, but now he's moved to another mountain. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle that we're trying to understand. Now, to you just walking in the church, you think, what are the heck they're talking about? Well, let me give you some, uh, something to help you with. Whenever you walk into a church, you're always trying to pick up the life of the church and the pace of it. When I first came into this church, even the simple things seemed hard. But there's only one thing that kept me alive. You know what it was? Is I was hungry. And the fact that I was hungry, I was giving God more strength. Some people are no hunger. They've no desire to progress in the spiritual life. So, though, so it doesn't matter what's being said. It's, it's like trying to feed a kid that doesn't want to eat. Yeah? Well, mums, mums give you your favorite. Fish fingers, chips, peas. So just give you some of that, you know, Sweet corn, the green giant stuff. Eat it, it'll make you up into a giant. See in the advert, haven't you? The kid starts wolfing it down, think he's going to be a giant. You know, if you eat God's food, you become a giant. Not a green one. <laughs> but you become a giant. I want to kill that myth right now. But you've got to give him something. So whatever level you walk in, it all seems like, I don't understand it. That's okay. That's, that's, just, that's just first day at school. I didn't understand my first day or my second day. Come to think of it, I didn't understand all the year. 
But it didn't stop the teacher talking. And all I needed to do was go and ask the teacher if I could find him or her. But there needs to be a hunger inside us for God to take us to this next level. Why would God give understanding if there's no desire? I'm trying to understand it. You're trying to understand it. There's a place in God that God is demanding from us as a church. Take the church to Mount Zion. Whether we understand it or not, as we make the journey, God will make it clear to us as we make the journey. I don't understand God. The first day I gave my life to God, I don't understand him. Didn't understand him. I'm only now just trying to understand him. But it didn't matter how much I understood. I just knew that this God was the way. That's all I had to start right from there. Start from what you do understand. God good, devil bad. That's a good place to start. He's right, I'm wrong. That's, that's all you have to start. Start at the basics. So God brought Israel out of Egypt. They had a history. Now, e- Egypt is very, 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 very powerful. Why? Because Egypt is a place of slavery. Egypt is a place where you and I came from. It's, it's, in other words, it's a symbol of the world. God save you out the world and put you into his, his own son, Jesus Christ. God took you from one system and put you in his own heart. How many of you believe that? So, but it doesn't stop you wanting to go back to Egypt. Because Egypt's taught you everything you know. Egypt is what's conditioned you. Egypt is what's taught you how to think, how to live, how to behave. Egypt has done all that. Yes? That's why they say you can take the boy out of Egypt, but you can't get Egypt out of the boy. Why? Because it's much harder to get Egypt out of the boy. And I'm trying to understand some of this stuff that God's speaking to us. And what I'm finding here is, is that it's, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And if I read this scripture to you in 1 Chronicles 22, starting at verse 12, it might give you some understanding of where we're at. May the Lord give you discretion. Verse 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 12. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts his command over Israel. How many needs discretion and understanding? I said, how many? I need it. Well, let me rephrase that. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you uh, in command over Israel or the dream center. If, it was, if I was reading it for me, the dream center. So that, you may be, so that you may keep the Lord of the Lord of God, your God. We want to keep his word, do we not? Then you will have success. Oh, everybody likes success. But to get success, you've got to keep and lay hold of his rules. Yes? So he says, then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. So let's just put this way. If, we, if I'm the leader of the church, God didn't give me the laws. He's already given us the word. True? So I'm not Moses in that sense. I didn't go up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. But what God gives to me, he gives to me for you. So in that sense, if you obey and listen to what Tony's teaching, but I also must be aligned to what this word is. So if I'm aligned to what this word is, then you hear it. That's why faith comes to you by hearing when I speak or when whoever it is who speaks. Yes. So he says this. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Who's afraid and discouraged? Well, he says, don't be. Why? He says, hold on, because this thing's coming. I have taken great pains. How many pains? Great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. 
Now the temple of the Lord, he's speaking in Old Testament language. Today, that's the church. God has gone to great pains to provide for, that, for his house, for his people. We sang this morning, this will, be, this will be your house. We will shout, we will sing, this is your house. This is your house. Now, I said it's not about the building, it's about us. This is your house. God has invested things into me and you. So God has gone to great pains to make sure that if you're in Christ, Christ can keep you. Christ does not struggle to keep hold of you. He's very confident in all that he has and all that he is. You have to make choices and decisions to stay in him. That's why Paul says, remain in him. Remain in him. If anyone remains in me and and listens to my word, then I will remain in him or abide in him. True? So I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. A hundred and thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze, iron, too great to be weighed, and wood and stone, and you may add to them. Well, let's just break that down a minute. So we can see straight away that there's no crisis in heaven. There is no economy crash in heaven. God can produce gold and silver. God knows what it all is. God knows what it is. It's his anyway. Seriously, Phil and I will tell you, the Papua New Guineans in our network, God told them, he, he, he gave them vanilla. He said, go and get the vanilla plantation, get it going, get it going. The whole world's resources of vanilla all went, it all went belly up. The only place they could get it from was in Papua New Guinea. Right? Those boys, literally kids were coming down the street, Phil will bear me out. Kids were coming down the street with the pockets full of money. Kids. The only place you could buy vanilla was in Papua New Guinea. God knows what to do. He tells one of our one of our pastors in our network, there's oil on such and such an island. This boy started where all the geologists said, No, there's not. God told him there is. God knows where he's put everything. God knows where he's put everything. All you have to do is be listening to his voice. That's all you have to do. You've got one thing. Just obey me. So we know that God's given talents in the house. You're a talent. I'm a talent. God has put them in his own house. God, there's a reason why you're in the job you're in. There's a reason why you do what you do. There's a reason why you are who you are. God has made, God has arranged the parts Read your Bible in Corinthians. He says, God has arranged all the parts where he wants them. So you're a part that's been arranged. Why has it been arranged? Because before the foundations of the world, God saw you and chose the times where you, uh, time where you'd be born, where you would live and which church you would go to. Why? Because you had his resource. Some of you say, amen, but you don't really believe that you are a resource. You are his talent. You're the best looking thing he's seen today. God has, God has arranged you in his church. You think, well, I'm just here. I'm only coming to this church because of, because of him or because of her or because of them. No, no, no. God says, I wanted you here. This is the place where the word would be released to you, where faith would come into your heart, where you'd let go, give in. This is the place where you'd let go of the string. When I first came to this church, I had no string. Never mind a kite. I had no string. And the first thing in my testimony, even though I was a Christian for seven years, my testimony started the first day I walked through this door. Why? Because this was the place where God wanted me. When I knew nothing, when I was arrogant and I thought everyone was wrong, 
God brought me to this place and I fought it. I didn't want to be here. Walking down the road over that bridge saying to myself, I will never, ever, ever come back in that place again. Those, those people there are weirdos. Because I came from a real traditional kind of church. So when, I, when, when you never make a vow to God like that, I'm never coming back. You can just imagine God saying, yeah, right. You know you're going to be the pastor in a couple of years' time. Do you think if it had shared that trailer with me, I would have bought in? No. No, 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 no. So when I'm in this church, and I'm thinking, I hate this place, because they're all charismatic nutters. They're singing songs, they sing silly songs, and what's the point of it all? You know, really hard, arrogant. I come from, you know, let's just have a quiet, just pray. We don't, church doesn't have to be noisy. When I came in, it turned my world upside down. And I didn't want to come. But look, at, we're here now. I'm the noisy one. <laughs> so God has arranged the talents in the church. And they're too great to be weighed. And you may add to them. God has given us the ability to add. Yes? God has given us materials, workmen in the house. He says in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Why? Now begin the work and the Lord will be with you. So if you begin the work, Lord is with us. And all the time we're saying, Lord, show us how to do things. Then David ordered all his leaders in Israel to help him. His son, Solomon. All the time God's saying to the leaders in church, help my son, he's down there. Me, meaning me. Help him as I'm speaking to him. Help galvanize, polarize what is around him so we can build this work. He said, David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. He said to them, is not the Lord your God with you? You know, it's good when people in your work says, isn't good. You know, is God with you? Why is God with you and not with him over there? When people start recognizing that God's walking with you, wow, you know you've got favor on your side. You know that the presence of God is strong on your life. You didn't feel it, but others did. So is not the Lord God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side? Uh, Has he not uh, handed the inhabitants of the land over to me? And the land is subject to the Lord and to his people. Notice, wherever his people are, everything around them is subject to them. Why? Because they're in him. Now devote your heart... Yeah, church, this is where you are now. It's where you come in. Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God. So our heart's response to what God is saying is, we will devote ourselves to seeking God. We will devote ourselves to building what God is asking us to build. He's not asking us to build a physical church. He's asking us to build his kingdom. Yeah, so that you may bring the ark. Here's the the reason to build what? What's the purpose of building? So that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. When he says the ark of the covenant, that was the box that Israel had to carry around. Who's who's seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark? They carry the box around. It's where the power and the presence of God used to live. Why? Because people couldn't handle him. Once he got out the box, that was it. So God lived in a box and they had to carry this box wherever they went. And they was, then they had to put it in, in a tabernacle. And, they were, and we'll read that in a minute. And there was a protocol that you just couldn't do what you wanted. 
If you wanted God in your midst, you had to follow his protocols. And God's presence and power was in that box. And whoever had the box had the power in the presence of God. And you'll always find as you read through the Bible, Israel had it, she lost it. And then it would sit somewhere else. And wherever it sat, wherever it sat, it always brought blessing to whoever had it. Whoever has the presence of God with them will always find favour and blessing. Whoever can graft the presence of God into their life will always find favour. Why? Because where God is, there's favour. Yes? So, devote your heart to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God. Now, notice we have a house, temple, we have the box, which is the presence, and we have the articles. The articles would be you and the principles. Amen? So these are key ingredients if you're going to build God, build God a life, I should have build a God life, sorry. If you're going to build a God life and you want his power and presence in your life. You must have certain, you must follow certain protocols. Yes? You can't do your own thing. You can't. Now, the problem is one of the greatest obstacles for you to allowing God to do what he wants in your life is Egypt. Egypt in you is all the time challenging Zion where God lives. So, so let's just say, for instance, David represents Sinai. I represent Zion. All the time, I'm God. I'm heaven. I'm trying to get my son into his life more and more and more. But every time I come to David, he's got the worries and the cares of the world on him. Yes? He's got soulish, selfish, self-indulgent desires on his life. Now, this is just illustration. Okay? Even though it's all true, it's just it's an illustration. <laughs> so, all the time I want to share who I am, he's always too busy. He's always got himself in the way. I can never, ever get to his heart because he's always got Egypt there. That's why... You and I struggle getting into the presence of God because Egypt's always there. It's in our emotions. It's in our nature. It's in everything we do. Why? Because it's, it's symbolic of your old life. Yes? So if you go to Genesis 13, verse, uh, verse 9, Genesis 13, verse 9, we see Lot and Abraham. And we see something fundamental here of how... Lot symbolizes Egypt and how he, Egypt, will always want to speak first rather than the God inside you. Your old nature always wants to act. Yeah. In verse nine, it says in the uh, is not the whole land before you. So what's happened is Abraham and Lot are so blessed of God. Me and David are so blessed of God that his family and my family can no longer live with each other. We're so blessed that our offspring are fighting with each other. Yes? Our kids are fighting with each other's kids. So we, me and David have a, have a conversation. We say, look, we don't want any fighting between you and I. You and I have a good relationship. Has God not blessed the pair of us? Right. So now they say, right, here's the land. You choose whatever you want. Whichever direction you want to go to. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. 
Take your family and God will bless you and I'll take my family and God will bless me because we're both blessed of God. Right? That's what they do. And then they reach this point. So what happens is, is not the whole land before you, let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain in the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Now every spiritual transition that you make in your life, you'll always be faced with a land that's well watered and Egypt. See, everything that Lot chose reminded him of Egypt. Everything he chose, he wanted Egypt. He wanted something similar to Egypt. So let's put that into a modern, modern day uh, illustration. I get saved. I realize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. I get saved. But then I choose a church that doesn't demand too much of me. Yeah. Why? Because I still want to live in Egypt. And I don't want to feel, listen, I don't want to feel convicted and feel like a scuffer when I come to church. So how many times do you hear people say, you know, what would you, what would you like to see in the church? Well, I'd like to see less condemnation. I'd like to see less uh, preaching that makes me feel bad. I'd like to see less of this, less and less and less. And the world's asking for more of less. Yes? Hey, this word is meant to convict. People say, I want to feel comfortable in church. If you're comfortable in church around the things of God, you've found the wrong place. So what we do, we have seeker friendly, we have the show on. We put the show on for all the unsaved people. But then the unpeople say, I like it here, I get pantomime every every Sunday. I'll stay here, it's nice. They say, no, 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 we we use this to preach the gospel to you. But you do it every week. So they like the gospel, they like the show, they like the entertainment, but you can't move them on into the things of God. So they stay here, but but they say, well, we like it, we're nice and happy here. Happy is not, is not a fruit of the Spirit. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Fair is not a fruit of the Spirit. So they want happy and nice and they don't want the environment to challenge them or change them. So the moment you take challenge and change out of a church, you haven't got a church. You've just got a group of people. So now you say, what about encouragement? Absolutely. We can have encouragement. I can challenge you and you can be encouraged at the same time. The issue is not encouragement. The issue is, have you got God in the place? So, Lot chooses everything that reminds him of his past life. Why? Because that's where he's done life. That's what reminds him. That's what he wants. That's why the Bible says, choose life or death. Today. Choose it. Choose life or death. The Bible says that the road going to hell is a very broad road. But the road leading to life is narrow. Very few walk on that road. But this road, the masses walk on this road. So if you're going to keep on the path, then you've got to follow the protocols on that path. Yes? But not every Christian wants that path. They want Jesus, but they don't want his truth or his life or his way. They want to die a Christian. So when they wake up, they're in heaven. 
They don't want to live a Christian. They just want to die a Christian. Have I got any in here? Christianity is not a club. It's not even a membership. It's a life. You see, Sinai, they just come out of Egypt. And the first place he realizes they're still grumbling, they're still moaning, they're still complaining. So he says, right, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's have a talk. We're going to have our first communication. So he sends Moses up the mountain. The people are at the bottom. And he knew from that first one, he knew, well, they were in Egypt. He knew that this bunch, they're going to be trouble. There's always trouble when you're trying to lead people. Always trouble when you're trying to lead people. So Moses now becomes the, the mediator. God says, if I speak to these lot, they're, they're in trouble. I'm going to speak to you, Moses. You're going to be the leader. You're going to tell them what I'm telling you. And then they're going to come to you and complain about what I'm telling you. So Moses is thinking, I've got a rum deal here. This is not good. I'm the middleman. You complain if I don't tell them. They complain when I do tell them. What is the point of being a leader, Lord? You just, you're cruel. You're cruel, Lord. You don't volunteer for leadership. You have to be called. It's called conscription. God drafts you. You choose. You have to come into alignment with it. Alignment with it. Do you think I would have ever, ever come to this church if, if I'd have got a letter saying you're going to be the pastor? No. So they came and they separated. And they went their own way. And eventually, Abram has to go and bail Lot out. And you know, when people choose a different way, sooner or later, you'll have to go and bail them out. Look at your own kids. Look at your own kids. When the kids go off to their own, doing their own thing, and you've taught them the way, the truth, and you've tried to give them the life, and they say, Dad, what do you know? You've never been 21 before. You've never been 18 before. They think we've, we, you know, they don't think we've even ever had sex before. They just think they were created. I don't know how they think that, but that's what they think. eBay, aye. We got them on eBay. <laughs> right? Yeah, return, send them back. They think that when you see mum and dad kissing or getting intimate, they go, oh, no, 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 no. It's wrong. You say, what do you mean it's wrong? You say, we got you. <laughs> and they think once they're born, we can't have any more intimacy. Hey, that's not a deal I bought him for. But anyway... God, you always have to bail your kids out sooner or later when they go their own way. This is why you must stay in the truth so the wisdom that you give them attracts them. When my son and my daughter were doing their own things at the moment and I sit down and talk with them, you know, they can never fight what I'm saying because they know it makes sense. But inside the hearts, they still want to do their own thing. But they still can't argue with what I'm saying. And it's like, Dad, you're too smart for us. I don't want to be smart. The whole idea of dad being the wisdom in the house or mom is so that you don't have to keep on doing the same things. Because you keep doing the same things, you'll get the same results. We know that way. We went there ourselves. And it's hard and frustrating as a parent, is it not? When you see your kids going down a path and you scream and you shout and they're saying, Dad, you did it, so therefore I must have license to do it. No, son. Wisdom says, learn from from it and God says exactly I use the illustration of your children because that's how you are with me that's how I was with Israel Israel loved me they loved me they loved me and then when I told them what to do and how to do it they said no 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 you're too hard how many of your kids tell you you're too hard dad you just don't understand dad you're too hard the rules are too hard dad yeah 
And then what did they say? I'll get my own place. I said, good, go and get your own place. Go and pay some bills. Go and find out what living's all about. And when they get their own pa- bills, oh, dad, have you got any money? No, ask your mother, she took it all. <laughs> Just checking you're still awake, that's all I'm doing. She knows. I always say, that verse in the Bible, silver and gold I have none, that was a married man. Everything that God offered to Israel in the desert, she threw back in his face. Everything. Everything. But everything that God gave to Israel, he still, he did not become bitter. He still offered it to the church. Why? Because he still wanted intimacy. He still wanted a bride. He still wanted a people. And everything that he said to Israel, she just said, yes. You know when the kids say to you, yeah, I'll do it. And then they don't do it. And stop moaning, dad. I'll get round to it. Yeah. And you say, no, I want it done now. That's how God was. And he kept saying, we'll get round to it. We'll get round to it. In fact, I think, didn't you buy me a plate? I'll get round to it. With the inscription, I'll get round to it. That's what I say to him. I'll get get round to it. Get round to it. Get round to it. Two, Two years. And God says, you know, You won't get round to it. I know your heart. I created you. You can't fool me. I'm God. So God says, you haven't, your time is running out. So they disobeyed him. And you know, at Sinai, Sinai is so powerful. We understand what went on at Sinai because Sinai is a picture of everything that God does not want for your life. If you read it in Exodus, the accounts of Israel coming out of Egypt And he brings it to Mount Sinai. And Sinai is symbolic. Let me just tell you what it is. At Mount Sinai, people's lives are governed by fear. They're not even allowed to touch the mountain where God is. But in Zion, God graciously brings you to him, himself. How many people's lives are governed by fear? That's Sinai. The people said, if God speaks to us, like he's speaking to you, Moses, we're dead. Hey, now God has created the way for you to go all the way and for him to speak to you face to face. God has opened the way through Jesus Christ for you to have him. A one-on-one encounter, an audience of one. What a wonderful thing. At Sinai, the people are ruled by God's severity rather than by God's goodness. When I read the Old Testament, I think I'm glad I was not born in the Old Testament. Oh man, God would cut you off, no problem. When you didn't do what he wanted to tell you, thank God for Christ. Thank God for grace and mercy. We wouldn't, you know, those boys had it tough. We have got it easier, but it's still tough. I was reading the account of Korah and his sons, how God, two of them started to fight against Moses' leadership. After God was speaking to Moses, Moses would tell them what God was saying. And they said, oh, you're trying to be the leader over us all. Yeah, that's right. I am the leader. And they started to moan and complain. And Moses started talking to God. And God says, I tell you what, get everyone away from them. This is what he did. He said, get everyone away from David and Phil. (laughs) Right? So we all stood away from them. And they stood there. And Moses said this. If you die by natural um, causes, then God is not speaking through me. 
But if you die through unnatural causes, then you know God has spoken. Soon as he said that, the earth opened up and them and all their family died. Right? Not only that, the 200, I think it's 250 or 270 people who were with him. Because when, when you get gossipers and moaners, you always get an army, don't you? So when he got, got his army, all of them were slayed in one minute. God says, right, that, we cleaned that little argument up, didn't we? Moses, carry on. Hey, I tell you, that was God. But now, God's got mercy. Well, God's always had mercy. But God, now through Jesus Christ, has given us grace. And he says, now here, boy, here's a license to use. But don't use it to sin. But I'm not going to come like that. Why? Because I'm going to come through Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ in you, and you in Jesus Christ, that protects you. And these boys didn't understand what was coming. In Sinai, you're tormented by devils. In Zion, you're ministers who by angels. Imagine that. Everywhere they went in, in the desert, they were always given over to trouble. If the snakes didn't get them, something else would get them. Devils were always chasing them. But in Zion, you're ministered to by angels. Surrounded by a company of angels, in Hebrews, he says. In Sinai, it's shakable. But the Bible says we have come to a kingdom that is unshakable and unmovable. You're now part of something that is, not shake, unsha- that is unshakable. It's the kingdom of God. Amen? In Sinai, you weren't allowed to climb the mountain. But in, but in Zion, you are, he says. Because you've got favour and grace, church. Ascend the hill of the Lord. Yeah? In Sinai... You, want God, you don't want God to invade you where you are. Because you're frightened. But in Zion, God bring, brings you to the very place where he is. All this is in Jesus Christ. Oh, my Lord. If you want a transition, you've got to understand that God wants the church the way he said it should be. We have made church the way we want it. Not the way he has told us. You know, in Exodus 25, verse 9, it says, Make this tabernacle. This is God speaking to Moses. He said, Make this tabernacle, that we'll call it the church. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern. Exactly. 25, 9. I'll just, I'll just read these to you. 25, verse 40. He says, See that you make you make these things according to the pattern where shown to you on the mountain. So when Moses was up there, he showed Moses, God showed Moses how he wants the church. How he wants, if he's going to meet with the people, how the people must respect God's will. Hello? Only in today's church we think we can come to God any way we want. We can do whatever we want in church because we live in a democratic society. We can do whatever we want. And God will just turn up. Because then we claim where two or three are gathered in, in, in his midst. There I am. Hey, day. guess what? God was with me on the toilet. Right? Why? Because he fills everything. But if you want him here, manifest, that's different. You can have the all, uh, what's the word? Compassing power. Or you can have his manifest presence. I, right now, I've got the manifest presence of Phil Clark. It's awesome. I've got the man. I've got the real man here. Right? Is that not true? 
Have I got substance? I've got it right in front of me. But if he goes home and I speak to him on the phone, how do I know it's him? I don't know. Somebody's impersonating him. True. Now in church, we want the real guy here. We want to feel his presence. We want to, we want to f- be surrounded by him. We don't just want to, to be able to hear something from a distance and say, well, yeah, that's nice about God. But we want him here. And he isn't just going to turn up the way we do things. So he says, I've got a pattern and I want you to keep it. And then in Numbers 8 verse 4, he says, this is how the lampstand was made. It was made out of hammered gold from its base to its uh, blossom. The lampstands were made exactly like the pattern the Lord had shown Moses. So God is a very, very detailed, fussy God. Sorry, Lord, but... Now here's the, here's the deal. I'm going to build Veronica and David a dream house. But Veronica's left the plans. This is how we want our house. Right? So she's giving me plans. So I go, nah, nah, you don't want that. I'll go away and I'll design something different. And I'll build her a house. And then I'll go, a blindfolder. And blindfold David. And I hold her hands and I go, surprise. It will be a flipping surprise in a minute. <laughs> I bring him in. And I go, take the blindfold. I go, da-da. This is the house. And she goes, where's the extra rooms we asked for? Where's the conservatory? Where's the swimming pool? So it's a good house she built. <laughs> Where, where, where's where's the, the big rooms and where's the garden we wanted? Yeah, but I built this for you. Yeah, but it's not what I wanted. Well, not, well, here's the keys. She says, I don't want it. I'm not moving in. Why? Because it's not what I asked for. Yeah, but it's what I built. I, I worked really hard for it. Guess what? It's what you built, but it's not what I asked for. And people don't understand that God wants his church the way he said he wants it. And he'll get, he'll get it the way he wants it. But so many people are building church the way they want it, hoping that he's going to come and he's just going to enjoy it. God says, no, no, no. Your people are not even set up to receive me when I come. There's nothing worse when God comes into, or someone comes to your door and they want to come in and you don't receive them. But how much more joyful is it when you come to somebody's house and they're expecting you and there's a place there prepared for you? True. And they come in and you, and you have a great night of whatever it is you, 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 know, you, you plan to do. This is how God, as his church, he says, are you planning for me to come? If you're planning for me to come, then you must build it exactly the way I've told you. You can't just expect me to enjoy what you've enjoyed. Because it's not for you, you're pleasing. It's for me. Sorry, me, God, you not. Revelation check, me, God, you not. Me created you. Revelation 101. So, in his house, his rules. His house, his rules. Go to Leviticus. Now, this is what happens. Now, this, the church is not like this today, but these were the requirements that God put on his house. Now, listen to this. You're going to be surprised in a minute when you see this. But this was the requirements he brought in his house. All the time, God's moving them away from Sinai to Zion. But they resist him. Why? Because of Egypt. Now, Egypt contaminates us. How many of you know when you've been in work with all your friends, you come home with some of their language. You come home with some of their thoughts. You come home with some of their arrogance. 
And that's when your wife says, well, I don't know who you've been with today, but you better get out of this house and come back in a different tone. Any fella can witness with that? Oh, you're a mad lot. <laughs> you come home. You come home and you've got that arrogance, you've attitude, you've had a bad day, you've been around with the guys, and she says, hey, that's not our house. That's not our language. That's not the way we are in this house. You do it to the kids. So God's saying Egypt was the same. They were trying to come into God's house with Egypt mentality. God says, no, 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 you're not coming to me like that. I won't have it. I don't, I don't know who you've been with. I don't know who you've been speaking to, but you better go and change that language, son. And that behavior, it's not good. Well, God, you're, you're God. Are you? you forgive everyone. Hey, 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 son. When you get to know me, you get to know my ways. Yes? You can't, you can't expect your mother and father to bless you if you talk to them like dirt. But kids do. Because kids think, well, your mum and dad, you have this everlasting pocket. It goes deep. And every time you put hand in, it's called miracle money. And they think so. Then what we try to do is put rules. We try to help the kids to understand there's rules. Rules equal blessing. True? Wash the dishes at the start. Put your shoes away. Clear your bedroom. Pull the chain. Lift the seat. Need I go any further? These are all wonderful protocols. Why? Because what you don't clean up, somebody else has to. Leviticus 15. See, I bring it down. I have to bring it down to the gutter toilet before you understand my analogies. Leviticus 15, verse 29. On the eighth day, you're talking about the requirements now of people approaching God's presence. On the eighth day, she must take two doves, talking of a woman, or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The priest is to sacrifice one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he makes atonement for her before the Lord for her un- uncleanliness of her discharge. Hey, he created women. And he knew what, would cre- what women would produce every month. And yet he's still saying, guys, if you come in my prayer, you need to understand who I am. So he says this, you must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean. So they will not die in their uncleanliness for defiling my dwelling place. Wherever God is, there are rules change. Right? Which is among them. These are the regulations for a man with discharge. Now the bloke's in for it. For anyone made unclean by the omission of semen, for a woman in her monthly period, for a man or a woman with discharge, and for a man who lies with a woman who is ceremonially unclean. So, you know, if you had a night of passion the night before, you still couldn't just come the way you was. You had to come ceremonially clean. Yes? So, going to 1 Corinthians 4.26, it says... The New Testament church, now we don't do that, that's not the rule we have now, but it hasn't changed in the sense of cleanliness is still the order. Amen? God still requires from us as a New Testament church, cleanliness. What shall we say then, brothers, when we come together? Everyone has a hymn, a word, instruction, revelation, a tongue of an interpretation, all these must be done for the strengthening of the church. We still need to bring something before God. They had to bring a pigeon. They had to bring an offering. Why? Because their hearts. See, in Sinai, you never ever could get your heart clean. 
Hello? Because the priest had to keep making continual sacrifices for you. And yet nothing ever changed in your life. Where in the New Testament, through faith and through Christ, we can be cleansed. Hello? You don't have to remain the same. We still... So on, let's go back to Leviticus. The Lord, verse, chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when he approached the Lord. So now Aaron is a priest and his two sons have been killed. Why? Because of the way they were taking the mickey out of God's presence. He just wipes them off the floor. That's it. You're gone, boys. Right? Because he knew that if the people saw the way they were reacting, they would think that's the way. That's why leadership always has to carry the example. Yes? That's why you always see me, always see me, always see me worshipping and entering in. Because I'm the example. I can't tell you or encourage you to do it if I'm not doing it. If I've got my fingers up my nose and counting all the titles on the tiles on the ceiling, it's no good for me to say, come on, lift up those holy hands. Lift up those holy hands, look up to the heavens. Why? I know all the ceiling, I know all the tiles on the ceiling. It's no good. I need to be able to be the example so that you can do what I'm doing. If I'm connecting with God and God's connecting with me, then surely God would want me to instruct you to do the same thing. Or I'd just be an audience of one. So he says, The Lord spoke to Moses when he approached. Now listen. Tell your brother Aaron, tell your kid not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place. Aaron, things are changing. You can't come anytime you want, in any way you want. Things are changing. Why? He says, you can't come to the holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he'll die. Wow. God's getting really serious about how we approach him. Now, he's not going to kill us today. He just won't turn up. Amen? He isn't going to kill you like he did with these guys. Why? Because we're in Christ. He just won't turn up. Because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover, this is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary. Now, Aaron, now there's going to be a new protocol. You're going to come into my presence in a different way. Yes? Then he says this. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic. Now, so he's going to have new garments. This is why Christ, if you read your Bible, this is why you are now have been changed in Christ and you've been given a robe of righteousness. You can't, they couldn't come before God, but you can. Because you've been given a new, you've been dressed fresh. Amen? You've been given the robe of righteousness. Now you can go all the way. You don't have the same problems they had. You don't have the same obstacles they had. You can go all the way. Aren't you glad? See, you take it for granted when you come in on Sunday night or Sunday morning. You come in and uh, we, the band starts and you say, we, we say, lift those holy hands. You just think it's a room, music's playing, and somewhere in the midst I'll try and get God. No, no, they couldn't even do that. The heavens are open for you. The way has been made through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I've made a way. I'm sat next to me, Father. I did my work on earth. I overcame sin. I overcame death. I overcame the enemy of your soul, Satan. I've prepared the way for you to come all the way to the Father. Now you can have total, total, 100% access to me. Those dudes down there couldn't have it. Why? Because I had not died for their sin. 
I had not made the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that the whole of mankind needs. So that's why every time they had to keep making a sacrifice, a sacrifice, a sacrifice. Those poor animals. Blood, 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 blood. And blood was never enough. No amount of blood ever washed, them, washed away the sin. God was showing them that you need someone to lay down their life for you. One sacrifice for all. And here we are. Jesus makes that sacrifice so that we could be brought closer to his father. So that we may know his father. And how do we do that? The Holy Spirit is the one who tells us what is in God's heart. He tells us how God feels. He tells us how we are supposed to approach him. He tells us God's getting closer. God's getting closer. He's the one who tells us that to lift up your voice a little bit stronger. Lift up. Concentrate on God. God's coming. He's the one all the time instructing us. Our movement. He's the one telling us that God loves us. He's the one telling you that how to adjust certain things in your life. Why? So you can feel cleansed. He is the one. If we remove him, we're finished. So Moses, so Aaron had to go, could not go beyond the curtain. The curtain is a veil over our eyes. When you don't have understanding, it's a veil. And you can't understand the things of God. That's why the Holy Spirit is the one behind the veil. He went behind, Jesus Christ went behind the veil. And he now sits at the right hand of his father. There is no veil in Christ. The only veil you've got now is over, is over your own understanding. So when you come into his presence, the sacrifice has been made for you. The father's there. The son is there. The Holy Spirit's there. But the Israelites, even today, the Bible says this in Corinthians, even today when the Jews read the Old Testament, there is a veil over their eyes. Even today, they do not understand what you and I understand. Even today, in Israel, they're all stood there, banging their heads on the wall. Have you seen them on TV? Doing that? They think, they're praying and praying and praying, and they still do not understand God. And God's leaving them. Well, the other half, it's like you put a Christian. Here's, here's, here's a classic example. If Phil stands there now and he's playing the part of the Jew and he's banging his head and he's got his tassels and his prayer shawl on, he's going, and he's giving all that. And I'm stood there and I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're stood in the same wall. And I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. And I'm praying in songs and I'm worshiping God. Do you know I've gone to heaven? I'm in heaven and he hasn't. Do you, do you understand that? Two people side by side praying to the same God. But there's a veil over his eyes. Why? Because he doesn't know the God I know. He doesn't know that Jesus Christ. He doesn't know his son. I know his son. He doesn't know the power of the Holy Ghost. I do. Two of us are worshipping. One of us is connecting. One of us isn't. He doesn't know. Why? Because the way has been made. He's still got his regulations. I've got a way has been prepared. The door's open. But for him and his nation, they don't know. Why? They will get to know eventually because God has told us in the Bible that will happen. But the issue is they don't know. But the way has been made for you to go all the way to Jesus Christ. That's why you can just send one of those SOS prayers up and say, Jesus, speak to me. And straight away the Holy Ghost can speak to you. Why? Because the sacrifice has been made. The veil has been torn. And Jesus Christ has prepared the way. I tell you, church, we don't know how fortunate we are. These people could never get cleansed. They could never get forgiven. But you and I, once we've been cleansed. That's why Jesus says, I, I took away your sin and I remember it no more. No one can remember your past. But Israel, he always brings a past up. Remember your forefathers. Do you remember when you did this in the, in the desert? 
Do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when you did that? God's always talking about the past. Why? Because if not embraced, only in Christ is your past forgiven. Only in Christ. And let's finish. Only in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll finish with this scripture. I've removed all my verses from my scripture, so just see if you can find It's definitely 7. Starting at 7, verse 18, but I've removed the verses. So I'm just going to read from a part of the scripture, but I haven't got the verse here. So you'll see it straight away. Therefore, since we have this hope. Everybody see it? Therefore, since we have, we have this hope, we are very bold. Therefore, since we have this hope, we are very bold. Everyone see that? We are not like Moses. Who put a veil over his face. To keep the Israelites from gazing at it. While the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. And still are. Listen. For to this day the same veils remains. When the old covenant is read. It has not been mixed. It has been removed. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day. Even to this day, when, when, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Amen? The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who have unveiled faces reflect God's glory. And we're being transformed into His likeness in ever-creasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You have access, my friend, that they never had. They have bell smells, incense and nonsense. Now we can go all the way. The veil is off. Now the veil is off so you can go all the way. But there are still veils over your understanding that need to be removed. There's veils over your heart. What makes it hard? There's veils over your understanding. So if you need new revelation, you need, I always, I always pray this, Lord, help me, Lord. I need the veil removing off my, uh, off my mind so I can understand afresh. Whatever's blocking me, history is a veil. Pain is a veil. Yes? Disappointment is a veil. Yes? Ugly words are veils. All those things stop us from embracing a greater understanding. So when you're praying and you need greater understanding, you have to ask, Lord, show me the veil that's over my mind. He might say, you know, I've had to have many, many veils of my mind removed to get where I am. And so have you. Even now to enter into this next move of God, I'm saying, God, remove the veil off my eyes. Remove it off my eyes, Lord. I was praying for you this week. Only this week I was praying, Lord, take the veil off their eyes. Bring the church into a whole new understanding. It's no use me speaking, Lord, if they can't come into an understanding. Lord, bring them in. I know this pain. I know this turmoil. I know this confusion. I know this mixture. We've all come from somewhere. But there has to be a universal, or should say, a corporate veil lifted off our eyes so we can all go in together. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.